The Isle of Man General Election 2021 coverage on Manx Radio. Douglas is the capital of the Isle of Man and the main business centre of the Isle of Man. The constituency of Douglas Central combines the districts of Albany, Balabrui, Eastfield, Somerset and part of Garden City from the former Douglas West constituency, with the Key and St George's from the old Douglas South constituency and Tinwald from the old Douglas East constituency. Tonight we're in Douglas Central, tonight we're live at Douglas Yacht Club. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Andy Winter. The MHKs before the House of Keys was dissolved on the 12th of August were Anne Corlett and Chris Thomas. And the candidates tonight, Damien Ciappelli, Anne Corlett, Sarah Hackman and Chris Thomas. First of all, uh, just a, a short introduction from each candidate. Uh, Damien Ciappelli, why do you want to be an MHK for Douglas Central? I'm standing as an advocate for change. That is because I'm an advocate. I'm a professional representative of the interests of others. I'm an advocate for change because there is so much dissatisfaction within the constituency and the island more broadly. I'm concerned about the direction of the island. I'm concerned about the size of and scope of government. I'm concerned about red tape. I'm concerned about waste. If elected, I would address these issues head on. Thank you. And call it. Thank you. I've had the absolute privilege of representing Douglas Central for the last five years, and I really want to continue to do so. With Priorities for the next five years have got to be economic recovery, health, education, safety, housing and climate change. I'm passionate about social policy and serving in health and education for the past five years has really given me an opportunity to start to make changes. My continued aims for the constituency of Douglas Central include suitable primary and secondary education, a decent, rate, no, a decent road network, lower speed limits in residential areas, particularly around schools, uh, reforming and plan the planning regulations to provide a, a fair and an equitable system, and to continue to work hard and represent you with enthusiasm, integrity and commitment. Sarah Hackman. Hello, my name's Sarah Hackman. Um, I'm standing as a candidate for MHK for Douglas Central because I'm also passionate. I've been in the council for eight years and I stood last time five years ago and I feel that nothing has really changed in the last five years. So I'm standing because I'm passionate and I'm also a good listener and I feel as though I can drive us all towards a better Isle of Man. Chris Thomas. If I get the mandate from the good people of Central Douglas, I'm aiming to continue the campaigns, the representation and the advocacy for the people of Central Douglas following the plans inside uh, this document, my manifesto, my policy agenda 2021, which include action to address health issues and so many more things. Okay, to the candidates now, Anne Corlett. What can be done in the future to make the government more efficient and use less public money? Okay, well the first thing I think, and what I'm getting mostly on the doorstep, is over, overspending on capital projects, delays on proje capital projects, the impact that has on businesses. Um, my answer to that would be to create a capital projects unit, management unit, that had the right people in there to, to negotiate contracts, to make sure they're carried out properly, and actually to sanction when they're not. Damien Ciappelli. Okay, I would advocate um, a change 
by way of uh, organic uh, reduction in the size and scope of government, and I would achieve that by ensuring that as people leave, as contracts expire, and as people, um, uh, uh, as people move on from government, that those roles are not replaced unless absolutely necessary. So that would be an organic pro progression rather than a slash and burn approach. I think it's vitally important in relation to the management of capital projects that we have a three line of defense uh, approach so that we have in the front line we have the civil service who know that you know that public money has to be protected at all costs and then you have the senior management who must review and and oversee what exactly is going on at the front line to ensure again that the public purse and the public interest is protected and then thirdly we've got the government legal service and Komen as the third line of defense to ensure that as we go forward that the, the calamities that we've seen unfold over the p past three years are not repeated and that there is a proper program of, of, of legal risk assessment and a legal policy that is fit for purpose that you would have in a PLC. We've often referred in the past to Isle of Man PLC. Well, I want to see things done more professionally and more appropriately going forward to protect the taxpayer's interest. Chris Thomas. Well, very good points. We made good progress in setting up the capital projects unit suggested by Mrs. Corlett. Um, we now need to implement that. Um, Mr. Cipelli has made a very good point as well that um, the, 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 stray, the trends that are in process with the public service need to continue and they need to be intensified. And what I'd add in is that we've got to stop buffeting the public service from this place to that place. We've got to stop battering them. We've got to give them clear direction uh, from the council ministers and from Tim Wood. And then we've got to support them um, to do what the direction is and to um, what it implies and most importantly we need to challenge them professionally and I think we've probably overstated the capability of politicians in some of the technical areas to challenge um, the professionals doing it and that's why I'm a big advocate of the concept of putting boards around key topics like Manx Care, like something in education similar, like something in buses similar and so on. You, you could argue we're going back to the 1980s in this, but what, what was lacking in the 1980s was political direction and conflict about politics. If we can get it right and we can have political direction and we can have professional management, we'll be in a better place than we have been for 10 years or so. Sarah Hackman. Right. Um, at the moment, the departments aren't working together and that is causing money loss and also working in silos. They're building up walls between each department, so they're not actually talking to each other. So there's some strange ideas that come out that you think if they all work together, then they would have been dealt with. So um, also, we're not encouraging the government to actually save money. Uh, we're paying the senior management because they have large budgets, they have lots of people. There's no incentive to actually save money and save people. So we need to perhaps give less uh, long-term um, contracts. So fixed-term contracts are, say, three years. And then if they've actually done something, as in they've saved money or rather not spend as much money, they've cut staff organically as Damien says, um, then we would then reward them then rather than just keep, keep promoting them. 
Um, so there. Okay. Uh, now to the image of Douglas, the, the potentially Douglas Central MHKs. I want to ask the uh, potential MHKs now. First of all, Damien Ciappelli. Uh, do you think Douglas is a world-class centre? Is it world-class? No, I'm afraid I don't believe it is. Um, it's very clear when going around the door, doorstep um, and talking to the constituents that they're extremely unhappy about the condition of roads and pavements. These are fundamental um, infrastructure issues and we've seen decades of neglect. I've seen it firsthand myself as I've walked around. I've been really shocked. I've been um, really quite uh, moved at times by the, the passion and the distress caused to Douglas Central constituents. So as we look around the capital, it's clear that there has been neglect. And that relates to the fact that there's been a failure to address key priorities that matter to people. There has been, it seems to me, uh, a drive from where well, I'm not quite sure, but a drive for these um, seriously uh, large and extended capital projects that are to some extent flights of fancy, whereas uh, at a grassroots level there are people screaming for improvements to roads and pavements, parking infrastructure, the issue of speed, um, and so forth to improve the quality of life. Well, the Isle of Man is an international finance centre. You've lived in Luxembourg. Uh, how does the Isle of Man compare to Luxembourg? Well, um, the infrastructure is much better. Uh, the condition of streets and, and pavements and the parking infrastructure is uh, at another level. Um, you know, there are far more Wi-Fi zones for those who are just wanting to connect to the internet. And um, more particularly, public transport is free completely. So whether that's a tram, a bus or a train, it's completely free. And of course that's very attractive to visitors as well as residents. Uh, it's also more environmentally friendly because it discourages people from using cars. I find myself rarely using my car because of the excellent public transport and you could connect with an app. But here we're so far behind the curve. We have timetables that aren't fit for purpose. If you do see a timetable, you need a, a, a magnifying glass to read it, and then you need a degree in semantics to understand it. We are just so behind the curve here, it's unbelievable, and it would, it would, um, it would profit us by sending some of the senior management in the Department of Transport to a place like Luxembourg to see how it's done properly. Chris Thomas. And I don't think there's any need to, to send them to Luxembourg. I think they've already been to Switzerland, and that's pretty good as well. Now, basically, we've got world-class people in Douglas, and so many of them come here stay for a little while and then leaves. And I want, to, I want to build on the Luxembourg example because Luxembourg benefits from hundreds of thousands of people commuting to Luxembourg every day and sadly the Isle of Man's coming a bit like that in some crucial areas. Not every day but on a weekly basis or a fortnightly basis. So far too many people in our healthcare do effectively live here, sort of, but go back quite regularly. And far too many people in our civil service and in our um, industrial sectors do that. So we've, And that was different 20 years ago. So something's gone wrong, and we've got to recapture the spirit and the hope and the pride in our town and in our, in our island and actually reverse that, because one of the biggest drains on public finances is the, the use of agency staff right. and, and, the, and the need to sort of bribe people but to come just here. Just to go to the appearance of Douglas, when you get off the sea uh, terminal... You see Brownfield sites. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the promenade is coming to an end. It's, it's going to be there. But, but compared to St Helier and Gibraltar and St Peterport and Luxembourg, mm -hmm. the Isle of Man doesn't really look 
up yeah. to their standard. And, that, and I'm just wondering why Douglas is like that. Uh, well, the, the, the basic reason is the, uh, the demand for use of those lands because something hasn't been quite right about uh, Douglas and the Isle of Man for 10 years, which we need to address this election. Basically, young people, everybody in fact, the brownfield sites and the ageing working population are an opportunity. And this ne next five years are going to be a renaissance, taking us back to some of the golden periods of the Isle of Man. Okay. And what we've got to do now is we've got to get government policy solid and then use that to actually encourage people to understand that those brownfield sites will be filled up with the right thing, a school in Park Road, um, at leisure facilities around Lord Street, and then proper housing run by a housing association okay. around okay. some of the Sarah other Sarah Hackman. I agree with Damien. Um, the fact that the streets, and the road system, um, the pavements are absolutely atrocious. Um, you, you can't... It's, it's not suitable for wheelchair users. Um, it just looks... The whole of Douglas actually looks sad and dated. Well, you were on the council for how long? I was on the council for eight years. Okay. Did, I mean, did the government take Douglas Council seriously? And not all the time. Um, not all the time. Caught, caught in the middle are the voters and the constituents, and, and Douglas is the capital of the Isle of Man, and there are times when it, it doesn't look anything like a capital. No, I totally agree with you, and except we did the regeneration, there was money available, we used it, and we didn't carry on. There was, in 2000, we did the key. You look at the state of the key now with the paving. We don't seem to revisit schemes. We do them, walk away, and that's it, and they're going to stay like that forever. But they don't, they deteriorate. So we should have money in capital schemes to be able to carry on like a rolling um, contract really to keep addressing because well the, the paving down on the quay you can trip very easily because there's gaps well luckily we don't have no win no fee on the Isle of Man <laughs> no, no thank goodness for that and call it well it's already been identified and the most the, the most popular thing on the doorstep is roads and pavements and the state they're in and I think, you know, an answer to that is that all elected Douglas MHKs ought to get together at the very beginning of the next administration and ha push for a scheme, a planned scheme. For five years. For five years to see to the roads and pavements. Well, what do you think should happen to public transport? I'd like to say it, it, we, would, we could provide a free public transport. It would absolutely fit with the green agenda, but we've got to be able to afford these things. It's all very well. We're talking about brownfield, brownfield sites, and Douglas, it's got too many brownfield sites, but everything needs to be funded. And that has to be strategically planned over a period of time, so nothing's going to happen overnight. But we have to have strategy and policy that builds towards the place we want to be. Okay, well, let's come. You mentioned green agenda. Let's come to the green agenda. Uh, the government has a green agenda. What's your green agenda? My green agenda is to do as much as we can as soon as we can towards climate change. Um, I think that we have to target resources towards um, what will benefit us. Insulation, for example, H housing buildings are the cause of the most emissions. So, insulation grants, loans to help people do it. But they will directly see the benefit of that with warmer homes, cheaper heating. If we can do things that benefit people directly, yeah. it will bring them along with can us. Can you tell me if this, uh, the, the new flats at the Brown Bobby are eco-built, do they have solar panels? 
Not as far as I know, actually, no. And I, I'm really disappointed in government with the Summerhill build. Um, being on the department for five years, we were very keen to have ground source heat pumps or air source heat pumps. It's heated by gas. So, I, I mean, if government can't lead the way in this... And can, she, can you see how voters, the public, would, would see that disconnect and Absolutely. say the government, I see it. the government is preaching gr the green agenda and turn around and build brand new flats and don't do anything exactly. with them? Exactly. Okay, and so they have to lead the way. Sarah Hackman. I totally agree. They, on, on my manifesto, it says that we, we should um, make sure that new builds are environmentally friendly. As you see, the, the one... Um, on Peel Road, I overlook that and I can't see any environmentally friendly features at all. Well, I think Especially the only environmentally friendly thing is there are no cars allowed there. You have to have a bicycle. I know, because there's only 28 parking places for 66 So they flats. thought that far ahead. Oh, yes, but don't forget the bus stop. It's That's near a, a bus stop. It's near a bus stop. And the bus will stop at what time? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, about 11 o'clock. OK, Chris Thomas. Um, and to go back to that Summerhill point, because that's very specific, because there were a lot of people who had doubts about Summerhill when the money was being allocated, and we were promised that it was going to be a, a, a heated in a different way other than gas. I moved to have, a, to have a, an investigation of social care, including this sort of thing, and was voted against because promises were made that Summerhill was going to be leaders. Let's look at good signs, because in, in Braddon, down in Castletown, they've actually done good things in terms of their housing. Beyond housing, we need to look at um, how electricity is generated and the extent to which we use electricity on the island. And so that's the first priority for me in that space. It's actually making no regret decision, almost certainly about laying an interconnector, at least one, one to the UK and probably one to Ireland as well. And then we've got to decide how long we will have gas on the island. So they're the two major things, house, housing and electricity generation. And I'd also like to, to agree with Anne, we need to make sure that, that the current housing scheme is extended to include um, basic refurbishment of houses to make them damp proof and to make them have adequate roofing because it's pointless being eco-friendly if you're getting wet. Paid for by whom? So we've got to use the economic recovery funds and the climate change funds for that because we have massive issues with housing in the Isle of Man and we've got serendipity that we've got two goals that we can meet with the same policy responses. And the other point is basically the environmental scheme to do with trees and wildlife and biodiversity was devised by farmers and people who live in the country for farmers and people who live in the country. And if you live in Douglas, you can't apply as a community group or as anybody, in fact, for any scheme inside the boundaries of Douglas because it's not agricultural land. And that is absolutely ri ridiculous and absolutely discriminatory. And that needs to be changed urgently. Damien Ciappelli. OK, well, I think like charity, I think that the green agenda starts at home. We've heard tonight about initiatives that would encourage homeowners to improve the insulation value of their uh, property, the energy consumption perhaps by way of the use of uh, solar panels and um, more efficient um, um, heat generation within the household. Uh, I think it would be wise of uh, the government to do two things to encourage that green agenda starting with the home. Um, and that would be to offer free energy audits, for example, um, in order that there is an assessment of where an individual home needs to be brought up to a satisfactory standard, um, and at the same time to offer appropriate levels of grant supports to ensure that 
people are able to achieve those upgrades so we don't get a, a form of, uh, if you like, energy poverty, so that we can reduce energy consumption because I think the home is the starting place. On the other side of the coin, of course, government must also take its responsibility and be seen to demonstrate that. And that would be in the form of energy audits on all government buildings and to identify ways in which um, power consumption could be reduced uh, and limited so that they're more efficient. I think it's very important to contextualize the whole green agenda. I think with, you know, it's very easy to sort of beat oneself up, particularly looking at things from an island perspective. And you know, when one talks about the climate emergency and climate change, both of which are real phenomena, we've got to recognize that we work in an interconnected world. We've got to recognize that you know, our efforts will, will come to naught in the overall scheme of things unless we are working um, with other nations towards these goals. And I think that the Isle of Man should not become an outlier um, of itself because it seems to me then we would be at a disadvantage compared to other jurisdictions. We've heard about how the UK is starting to uh, reignite the coal-powered fire, uh, the, the, the coal-fired power plants and we know that other major economies like the USA and China are still uh, burning coal. And we've got to also remember too that you know when you look at the smartphone in your pocket, your iPad uh, and other electronic devices, most of these are made in China or uh, contain uh, components made in China. And of course, China is a massive polluter. Where do we go with that? Do okay. we have to have an order on all the things that we buy in government, in our households? Because if you looked at it, you'd be excluding so much. You've got to be terribly careful where you go here. And I think that it's very important to be principled, proportionate, and to do it step by step. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's talk about housing now. And call it. how much has uh, the affordability of housing come up on the doorstep? It's been a huge issue. It is a huge issue. It's impacting in so many areas. Not only young people, first-time buyers, it's, it's key workers in, in actually enticing people into the island. If they can't afford to live here, they're not going to come here. So what can be done? I think we need... Firstly, actually, uh, there is a review going on now of the shared equity scheme, capping of um, earnings and um, prices to buy. Um, that has to be put into a, a realistic, into the market, you know, looking at the market as it is currently. Um, secondly, I think we need more rent-to-buy rent schemes, mid-rent schemes, because that helps people get over the initial hurdle of a deposit, because that's, the, the goalposts are just moving on deposits all the time. Do you think there should be more um, social, public sector housing built? I think we need to look at it. Um, Yes, I think, I think actually we, ha we haven't increased social housing for, for quite some time. So I think that we have to because there isn't the, the private housing out there and the rentals on private rentals are, are also... Okay, Sarah, Sarah Hackman. Um, I believe that houses, we're, we're being um, outstripped of uh, affordable housing by people buying up the houses from not necessarily people from here. So I, I believe that... Off-island investors? Yes. And online, on-island investors with a lot of money. And I believe that this should be regulated. It's not illegal, though, is it? It's not illegal, but in Jersey, they actually regulate it. Um, they, 
they have to register that they're buying these houses because obviously they're buying these houses and then they're renting them and then they can put, it's not me, then, then they can rent them for more or less what they want because they haven't brought in the landlord's are we storing trouble up, though, by not allowing young people, young families uh, to get onto the property ladder and also blocking the way for older people to downsize? Yeah, I, I totally agree that we, we have to do something. And um, social housing, because there, there's a stigma from probably my age that you have to buy an asset, you have to buy one. You, you don't become... Um, successful unless okay. you buy whereas we shouldn't all consider that not everybody wants to buy a house so we should increase social housing as well okay damien Chapelli. okay um from the dis limited discussion i've heard tonight i think it's very important that we don't create uh, a, a bogeyman i think to the extent that there is a bogeyman uh, at large that's created this problem i think it's the current administration there is nothing new about housing crises on the isle of man you can go back to the late 60s when the isle of man as a matter of policy encouraged settlers here there was a huge demand for housing at that stage house prices basically doubled between 1967 and 1992 the same thing happened in the late 80s as the economy took off and then again in the late 90s between 1997 and 2001 when I bought my house I saw house prices double also I think that it is basically uh, an issue of supply and demand I think talking about fin financial uh, options and uh, government intervention using uh, shared equity and so on is, is all very well but unless you address the fundamental issue of supply and demand you will not get anywhere and build talk, more houses I talk about brownfield sites being developed such as the Park Road site that was allocated some seven years ago for sheltered housing and first-time buyer units and other brownfield sites where through a lack of leadership and determination these issues have been allowed to lapse and so yet another housing crisis looms it is at the doorstep of the current administration I place this because it is about supply and demand you've also got other issues such as, and very valid points have been made in other hustings, such as the fact that there are unoccupied properties. Clearly, as a national resource, we need to adopt measures such as a carrot and stick approach by, by virtue of rates or maybe some kind of adjustment in the tax system to ensure that properties are not just left abandoned. And so, to me, Branfield site construction, I think we could look at redeveloping and repurposing uh, the growing um, um, quantity of unused office space, particularly post-COVID. I don't think that a lot of that office space is going to be used up. I've talked about the, um, I've talked about, you know, more con construction of first-time buyer units and, of course, okay. the unused properties. So just would you make park the Park Road site a priority? Well, I think that, uh, along with sites like the former Victoria Road prison, uh, absolutely, they okay. need to be investigated and a proper discussion had, not simply the fruits of internal discussions between civil servants okay. and the current administration. Chris Thomas. I firstly agree with two things that uh, Mr. Chiwellis has suggested. The first one is um, it is a fault of the last government, but also the one before that and the one before that. So in 2013, three ideas were firmly on the table, none of which have been taken forward. The first one then was to set up a housing association. We still need a housing association to locate professionals and to do professional things. Number two, housing is a social policy. It's not an infrastructure policy, and it was, we went wrong for eight, um, eight years. And number three, we haven't had a joined-up housing 
policy and strategy and plan and action, action plan since 2013, which we should have done since 2013. And I did everything I could to sort that out, but infrastructure hung on to it in a departmental way. And the second point that I want to agree with Damien is, is that we've, um, we need to have a carrot and stick approach. So we need to not only look at brownfield sites, where we need a carrot and stick approach, but we also need to look at vacant properties. So previously in the island, we have had a vacant property initiative, and we need to start that again for office space, but also for the masses, probably the 1,000 um, under-occupied or unoccupied premises, and to do something about them. Uh, do you think something should be, done, something should be mandated ab about unoccupied properties? long-term unoccupied properties. I, I think so, and that's part of the um, vacant property initiative, but the, first ne the, the, the next year, the first year of the next administration should be, should be working with the council in Douglas using um, their wardens and the information the council has, because I think they have much more information than the government does, to actually get inside the people's heads who are, uh, who are responsible for these situations. Okay, just briefly, Sarah Hackman, I'm not asking you to speak for Douglas Council, but would that be something the council could facilitate? Well, absolutely, because, you know, we're one government, really, aren't okay. we? Okay. Uh, right. Uh, it's uh, 29 minutes now past 7 o'clock. You're listening to Max Radio live tonight from Douglas Yacht Club. It's the final of our live get-togethers with candidates. We're with the candidates for Douglas Central, Damien Ciappelli, Anne Corlett, Sarah Hackman, and Chris Thomas. It's now the time when we go to the audience at the Yacht Club uh, to hear what they have to say and their questions. Sir, your name and your question. Uh, my name is Ken. And I ought to tell you that my, I'm married to uh, Anne Corliss. <laughs> well, that's your declaration of interest. What's your question? <laughs> yes. Right, I've got a question. How important do the candidates think uh, that you ought to live in the constituency? Damien Ciappelli. Okay. Well, I live just outside the boundary of the constituency, to be completely transparent. Uh, but for over 40 years, I was part of Douglas West. I knew all the MHKs, going back to uh, Victor Neal, um, Dominic Delaney, the, the late J, Jim Kane, um, John Shimon, um, and indeed I, um, I, I knew Chris because I, I, I actually supported Chris uh, when he was first elected. So um, I think I have a very strong connection to the constituency. I've lived in, and, uh, uh, it, uh, sorry, so I've lived in Douglas West. I attended school in the constituency. I've also worked in the constituency. Okay, Sarah Hackman. Well, I do live in the constituency, so... Um but then it was all separated out. We were in Douglas South for a while, or a long while. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yes, I, I feel it is important because you are representing the people. And you feel a connection with the area. You know the place back to front. Well, mostly. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to work with the people because you should be seeing them every day. Okay, Chris Thomas. I lived in the constituency in 2016, I didn't in 2013, and that wasn't because I moved, that was because the constituency moved. So I think it's important to understand and to know the area in which you live and represent, because they're, they're one and the same, um, but Mr Corkish was a, a well-known representative for Douglas West and he lived just outside the constituency and I did for, for, for three years. So it's an important issue, but it's not the paramount issue. Okay, um, and Mrs Corlett. Yes, I think it's, it's good to be connected to the community and to the constituency, but I think living outside the, uh, the constituency doesn't prohibit you from, from representing it. Okay, well, I mean, we live in a, a special part of the world where our politicians are close to us, and it, do you think it's important 
uh, to know the area, to know the, 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 the pavements and the roads and the, and the roofs and the council. It's important to know that. Yes. Yes, I think it is. It's important to have that connection. Okay. Do you know what's going to happen to All Saints Church, by the way? I don't. I wonder. If anybody knows, they could tell us. Uh, any other questions from the floor here? Anybody there? Uh, yes, sir. Your name and question, sir. Ian Wright. Uh, next Chief Minister is going to be an important position. Uh, who of the returning MHKs, if they're successful next week, would you like to see stand? Who would you support? And uh, are any of you planning to stand yourselves? OK, a hypothetical question, but Sarah Hackman? No, I won't be standing myself. Um, I want to get to know the job before you um, become uh, the Chief Minister. But I would be... Um, you don't have to, but if you do oh. have a preference. <laughs> yeah, well, it's in the papers, so I might as well say Jerry Watson. Okay, uh, and call it. Um, now, I have to say that I supported Howard Quayle last time, and but I was very tempted to Alf Cannon. Um, I think what's most important is that we have some leadership now and some, some passion going forward because we're, we're heading into an uncertain period. What uh, qualities do you think the next Chief Minister is going to have to have? Going to have to have some backbone and, and leadership qualities. We need to forge ahead now. Damien Ciappelli. Well, I don't want to be drawn on personality because I don't think it's helpful. I think I could focus on the fact that the person I would vote for if I were returned is the person most aligned to the policies for which I would have a mandate. Yeah. And I think that's very important. And I think, too, in terms of personal qualities, it's very important that whoever is the chief minister is somebody who can listen to a variety of views and, and can accept that sometimes the views differ, but to try and take people on board nevertheless, even if there are differences of opinion. And I think it's very important to foster a, a, a very... Um, good team spirit uh, amongst the members of Komen and the broader uh, House of Keys uh, membership because without that then you can sow disaffection very quickly if people don't think they're being listened to. I talk about the power of representation, that's what I'm about. I'm, a, uh, I'm an advocate by profession and so it's very important that you feel that your representations, in this case made on behalf of the Douglas constituents, um, are being taken into account in policy making and uh, decision making. Chris Thomas. Well, you, you asked me that about 18 months ago and I made some sort of flippant answer about um, perhaps the Isle of Man could have a, a female chief minister next time and that, that's grown legs and I think there are quite a, f there are a number of uh, chief minister candidates uh, selected in the newspaper answers. But um, more importantly, the, it, it, and I'll come to the question that you asked and dismiss your question as being the right question at this stage in a moment. But before I say that, whoever is Chief Minister or First Minister has got to win one of the 12 constituencies. They've got to get most votes in their constituency. So there are 12 candidates for Chief Minister. The what, second, what, why? Why couldn't they come second? Because it's ridiculous that if you can't even persuade 7,500 people that, that you're the leader and you've got the mandate that suits the people inside your constituency, how can you p pretend to be, the, uh, to be the person who's uh, won the popular mandate in a national general election? And, 
fair point. <laughs> okay. And I cried that day. I sat there when everybody else was glad-handing. I, I cried because it was sad for democracy because he failed the second criterion as well, which is I'm disappointed that Max Radio, Max Radio and the newspapers haven't done that, to my knowledge, this time. But last time there was an opinion poll of about 700 people on Max Radio, and Mr Quayle came third. And to me, the person who leads the nation has got to have a genuine popular mandate and okay. that we would be looking for proxies for it. So to answer your question as well, I, I would like the Chief Minister to be one of the ministers. At the moment, we have a maximum of nine ministers and the Chief Minister. And you asking that question, and the newspapers asking that question, and Andy Wint asking that question, builds up the idea that the Chief Minister is presidential. And the Chief Minister is not presidential. They've got to be an authentic, listening leader with a team behind them in the House of Keys and the wider Timworld and the wider Manx public. And that's characteristic number one. And there are a few of those around, but none of them as yet has come to the fore in the way that they will need to to win 13 MHK's votes. Okay. Any more questions from the floor? If not, I've got loads more from people who've... Uh, anyone? Have a think. Have a think about that. And the one is um, regarding... Excuse me. Education, and call it. Attracting students back to the Isle of Man who are at university. Uh, what... what can we do to attract people back from university? Those people who go to big cities in the north of England, perhaps in Scotland, and think, I'm going to stay here, it's far more fun, and I'll get a better job. Yeah, and actually I was talking to some students up at um, St Ninian's today, some sixth form students who were preparing to go off next year to university, and I asked them why, or what would make them stay, and their answer actually was about nightlife and things to do. Um, but I think it's, it's broader than that. It is about uh, housing and accommodation. Students don't always want to come back and move back in with mum and dad. So an opportunity to have their own place. And, and some students will not come back initially because the, the job opportunities are not here and will never be here to develop their careers because we just don't do those sort of things. Damien Trapelli. Well, I think it's a combination of things, and I think it's very important to touch base in relation to the economy more generally and those things that are hampering the economy developing because we need to diversify our economy so that there are the jobs here for the students to return to. And one of the obstacles is what is, is red tape, and in particular, the dysfunctional banking system we have. Now, you may, see, you may ask, well, what's the connection between young people returning and a dysfunctional banking system? Well, I shall tell you, and it is this, that it is hampering investment in the island. Whether you're looking at hotel, leisure, and exhibition facilities, or you're talking about an investment in terms of housing or, or, or apartments to rent, or um, indeed the creation of jobs, we need to tackle the harmful regulatory culture and policies that we have at present. No other candidate is calling this out. I am. I have spoken to a wide variety of leaders across the different economic strata of this, uh, of this island, and overwhelmingly they are telling me we need to deal with red tape and we need to deal with our dysfunctional But there's a government system. department called the Department for Enterprise whose job it is to facilitate industry coming to the Isle of Man. Well, if your banking system is not supporting it because the, the hoops they have to jump through, oh, you, the time frame... They just can't they, open a bank they, account. They, they are hampered from opening a bank account, yeah. And unfortunately, because of a lack of leadership under the current administration, because of the, I don't know whether I'd call it some sort of fear um, or undue deference towards the FSA, our regulator, we are not making progress. It needs to be dealt with, and I am calling it out. Chris Thomas. Um, 
Yeah, Mr Chiappelli has got a point. Uh, we do need to look at regulation. It was a work stream that didn't progress uh, far enough. But to, to revert to the original question about um, returning graduates, keeping people here, of all generations in fact, we need to look at the real basics. And those basics are housing, as suggested, and for, we actually probably do need a new institution, at least one, perhaps even two new institutions. We need a housing association to create the right products, to let people save for the deposits, to share the risk in terms of uh, different types of accommodation. And we probably also need to think about some sort of arrangement with a national bank and with a national to create some of these projects, pr products that... Uh, what do you mean a national bank? Well, I don't think we should um, go to all the expense that they've done in, in, in Gibraltar to create our own national bank, but we certainly need to have some intelligence coming from government to work with the private sector to create the right sort of products to deal with the gaps in our financial market and if they're caused by regulation we need to get we need to get round them but it's not only about housing it's also about um, diversity of opportunity and what I mean by that is you know the lifestyle on the island um, matters what there is to do in the evening matters how easy it is to get off on the on and off the island matters but what matters most is where your career is going and how happy you are in your underlying life and we need to address the career opportunities by having a diverse economy so we don't have most people who work in an office in financial services but we have exciting people from other sectors okay. like the culture like the arts like so engineering like so many other things which bring a spice to the uh, island okay Sarah Hackman um, it's not just students uh, attracting them back it's trying to keep our young people from leaving the island as well um, I've just lost my son not um, He's just gone to England. Well, he went to England in the middle of a COVID um, pandemic. But he left because um, affordable housing, but more renting rather than buying. For him, there was nothing to do. There's, there's the outback. E either you get drunk or you go to a, a small cinema. What else have we got really to offer them? <coughs> Um, so we need to look at making the island a bit more exciting. Um, so if you don't drink and you don't go to nightclubs, what do you do? Well, the private sector will do. I mean, obviously, the Douglas Corporation gave up the Villa Marina and the government's now running the Villa Marina. We've lost lots of nightclubs uh, from the cave down through the venue. Um, uh, uh, the uh, the ones at the the old Hilton Hotel, we've lost not lots of nightclubs, but they're 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 private uh, enterprises. How can we get more people? How can we engender a fun atmosphere in Douglas that's going to be representative of a capital? Well, we we need to encourage. It used to be there, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, but we need to encourage private investment. Uh, we we did um, we've we've seen two. Um, schemes come forward, haven't we? Um, the, the wave at the end of the prom, that all burnt. And, and then, then there was the one, there was going to be a multiplex cinema on Lord Street, around Lord Street. And when are they ever going to do anything with Lord Street? Absolutely no idea. But we, we need to keep plugging because we're going to lose all our young people. But you, you don't understand, the public will drive by Lord Street every day. There are people that will have come to the Isle of Man and left, and Lord Street's still been a bomb site. I know. Mm -hmm. And once they, the, the people leave the flats yeah. into their new accommodation in Pill Road, what are we going to do with that site? Well, what is going to happen to uh, Lord Street flats? To, uh, I have no idea, because that's the corporation, but I would believe that they would flatten it 
And then it'll look and another Corbett, brown... What do you think they should do with Lord Street flats? I think they... Uh, either... I, I don't... I don't I'm, I'm obviously not an engineer, so I, I don't know whether it's possible to refurbish or whether they'd have to knock down and start again. But actually, they, sh they, they need more flats there. Social housing. OK, do you think it's as simple as more, more nightclubs in Douglas to make it... Uh, to make no. it a more interesting place to be. Hey, no, I, no. Sorry. <laughs> no I, I don't. But I think we, what we need to do, actually, is engage more with young people to actually understand what they need. You know, five minutes at, at uh, St Ninian's today talking to people is all very well, but we don't engage enough with young people and youth. OK, just finally, Damien Ciappelli, any... Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for change here. If only we had the leadership. I would start with, I mean, we talk about making the island a more interesting place. I think the problem is we get, uh, we create silos. We've got some very good initiatives with Manx National Heritage, the Isle of Man Arts Council and Culture Vannon for a kickoff. We've also got the Gaiety Arcade garden and villa complex but I don't think there's a joined up strategy and we need to focus on developing our visitor economy and to that end we need to look at in particular at the security of our air routes because we are buffeted by um, air carriers coming in and out of business and leaving us stranded or marooned and we need to, in my view, set up a notional national carrier which owns the, the, the air route slots so that as and when the carriers move on, we own the slots so we have security of tenure, just like we've decided to do with li the Liverpool landing stage. Well, I just heard today we may not get a route to Dublin until March next year. Uh, and so the COVID notwithstanding, of course, the island has to have connectivity. Absolutely. So, so um, Chris Thomas, what can be done about that? We have, well, the island has to have connectivity. So um, the steam packet was, uh, was perhaps slightly too expensive. Uh, it was a very difficult situation because the government was negotiating through officers with a very, very uh, combative, difficult, um, in, in a difficult situation with an aggressive uh, counterpart. In terms of air routes, it's very, very hard to manage in an open skies environment around us, but we've got to do that. But the basic do you think point, open skies is the way? No, but um, we need to be more open. We need to be less open than we currently are, so we do need to work out a middle way suitable for our island situation. But basically, um, we're, what we're, the situation will cure itself as long as there's a buzz about the place. You know, the Isle of Man was transformed in the 1980s successfully because there became a buzz about the place. As soon as we can keep more of the huge amounts of money that's spent in healthcare on people who like, like living here, consultants who actually move here, um, nurses who stay um, here for longer than they do, social workers who actually live here all the time, things will start happening. That will develop its own momentum and there'll be more money in the economy and more excitement that can be purchased from that money. It's got to be driven by, um, a pop uh, by the population having the right demography and um, having the right amount of money, enough money to spend on the, right th on the things that they make their lives worthwhile. And call it. And so that Connectivity is absolutely key, and I think actually we we may be missing something key in our connections to Dublin, to Belfast, um, for key workers, um, for tertiary care, for hospital. We, we always take tertiary. We use the northwest for tertiary care. It's a 20-minute hop to to Ireland as well. They've got some really good teaching hospital and university hospitals. Has that, that, that been be Has that been investigated? It's been mooted, but it's not any had any real investigation as far as and I'm aware. Why do you think it's a good idea? I, I think that we're just missing a trick, that there's, there's possibilities there that we just aren't 
but the reasons we're not able to pursue them is the links. Okay, Sarah Hackman. Well, the link to Dublin is very important, and even on the doorstep, um, they were saying that we we really do need the Dublin link, and then with the Dublin link, you can go further afield a lot quicker. Um, but it's also the cost. Going back to the young people, they the main reason my son lives in England is he says that you can get anywhere and you can get anywhere fast. Here, you have to plan and you have to plan again and then there's the fog. <laughs> then you have to plan again. And so that is his main reason. So okay. Sorry, Andy. Just can very quickly. Yeah, yeah sure. I, I, what, what I find frustrating is listening to the description of the problem. I've provided some potential solutions in terms of the Isle of Man grabbing the bull by the horns and setting up a notional airline to own the air routes, the slots, so that we're not buffeted when a carrier goes out of business or is taken over. If we don't have that connectivity and we have to have concrete plans and concrete steps towards that goal, the, you know, um, all, all these uh, aspirations are going nowhere. Okay, uh, your name, sir, and your question. My name is Andy Harris. Uh, question is, do you think, the, the panel, do you think the um, hospitality and the tourist trade has increased or decreased over the years, including the price of actually getting onto the island and off the island. Okay, so you can literally go away for a lot cheaper. Okay, so what sort of time are we talking? 10, 20 years? Has it improved or got worse? I would say, I would say I've been over here since 2005, and I've found the prices have got very expensive to come onto the island. Okay, uh, Sarah Hackman. Um, I think it's, it's certainly decreased, and some of the quality has also decreased in the hospitality. We, we don't have that much choice. Um, and yes, I totally agree with you. It's, it's also the cost of getting stuff over here, plus staff, apparently, with the unemployment, hospitality staff are one of the biggest. We just can't get them. Um, so when they say the quality's gone down, what isn't good enough? No, I'm not. I probably don't mean quality as in quantity. We, we don't have much. Um, well, in England, you've got loads of different, like, hamburger restaurants and things like that. We've got McDonald's, and now we're going to get a KFC, and... They're You're saying we don't set our, uh, our sights high enough? Yeah. Okay, Chris Thomas. Uh, yeah, Mr Chappelle makes a good point. In, in the sea services area, we now have... Of prices linked to Manx CPI rather than a foreign CPI, and we, we, we need to do the same in terms of um, in terms of slots and routes and prices and service levels in in air. And that's what I meant by a halfway house. In terms of the local uh, hospitality leisure sector, I would like to think of it as uh, to twist it round. If if it's if it's good for us to live here, people will want to come here to find out what's good for us to live here. So it's a virtuous circle. You don't go to somewhere that um, the people don't like. So therefore, I, as I set out in my policy agenda, we've got to really think through why people are leaving, which people are leaving and why they're leaving, and uh, basically think what sort of people are coming here and enjoying being here. We need to build on, build on that. There are some great things about the island. It doesn't suit everybody. And once we get people coming here, we want to make sure that they actually um, enjoy a, a vibrant, buzzing Douglas, because we need that for the people who are here who got a bit frustrated. But also, if, we, if it's good for tourists to come to the Isle of Man, it maintains the infrastructure that's good for the 
native population as well. That's true, but we can't go back to those days when, we, you know, when there were hundreds of thousands of people. Basically, basically, we've got an incredible opportunity with the economic argument for substance. You know, to make our economy sustainable in the long term, we've got to have people here, we've got to have premises here, and we've got to have core turnover here. We've got to make the lifestyle here good, satisfactory, excellent, so that the people are here. And once we have that, it w we can be a little mini Barcelona or Amsterdam or Paris because people will want to come here to find out why it is that we've got the can successful I, stuff. All right, Damien Ciappelli. Yes, but I think one of the issues is about confidence in the island. We've touched on the yeah. fact that our connectivity isn't up to scratch and we need to take concrete steps. But unfortunately, the, um, the, the perception that there's been bias towards one particular hotel group, this, namely the Sefton group, whether it was the fact that they could basically sit on the Castle Mona, a listed building in Manx terms, and that there was seemingly no enforcement action, the fact there was an arbitrary loan granted to them to shore them up. And we've just seen the standards um, nosedive. And, and people will look from the outside and see, combined with our poor and dysfunctional banking system, that why would you invest in the island? And I would also say, why in 60 years has there not been the grant or award of an additional um, casino license? I mean, this is the island of e-gaming, and yet it seems to me, again, from an outsider's point of view, one could perceive there being a bias towards a, the Sefton Group, that somehow it's so connected to the establishment that there hasn't been a, the, that award made. Didn't Mr. Goubet get a, a casino did, license? Yeah. I think, I think Mr. Goubet was awarded a casino and, license, and, well, but it didn't what, progress. What, well, it, it, it didn't progress, but, you know, there's still a it took, what, in 50 years, maybe one was granted, but it didn't progress, so why aren't we granting another? Because I don't think it's being used properly by the Sefton Group. Okay, um, and call it. Okay, well, firstly, I don't think, quite honestly, another casino license is going to encourage tourism to the Isle of Man. Uh, there's so much online gambling, and uh, it, it's not a catalyst for, for other things. I think, to go back to the question, has, has tourism improved? I think it's and changed. The hospitality trade. And yeah, the hospitality. I think it's changed. People's <coughs> expectations have changed over the last 20 years. And the concentration now is more on niche holidays, which I think is the right thing to do. Heritage, walking, cycling. I think we're missing out something with the marine and the coastal things, actually, that could be developed more. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of people interested in that sort of thing. Um, hotel, I do think we need to up our game as far as accommodation is concerned. People don't want to come and stay now and have to go down the corridor to the bathroom. And what about those hotels that look like broken teeth on the promenade, the closed down, boarded up, sad looking, fly blown hotels? What do we say to the tourists who look at those? Well, this is, this is it, isn't it, really? And, and you know, it, it, how do we get people to invest? It, it's a bit chicken and egg. Yeah. Isn't it? But, but, I mean, the public will see we're spending a fortune on a brand new promenade and there are a dozen or so dere almost semi-derelict buildings on Douglas Promenade. And people say, why don't the government do something about that? Just repossess them, do something. That's an option, certainly. But it is about, once again, funding and resource to do something with them. OK. Uh, and just um, uh, a final question before we get to our candidates uh, summing up. Uh, regarding Afghan refugees and the admittance of Afghan refugees, do you think the Isle of Man should accept Afghan refugees? Damien Ciappelli. I don't think it should because I don't think we have the legal or regulatory framework to serve the needs of such people. I think it is inappropriate to um, choose 
one particular um, category of refugee if we accept Afghan refugees, assuming that we actually put the legal and regulatory framework in place, we would be open up to a much broader range of refugees okay. and we would have to consider what infrastructure we had. Okay. I think it would be appropriate to make a donation towards that cause and indeed other refugee causes okay. consistent with our uh, relative wealth. Briefly, and call it. Okay, I think that we have to get the policy right for the Isle of Man. I don't think we can carry on discussing this every time there's a conflict in a country or a disaster happens. Okay, Sarah Hackman. I agree with uh, the other candidates. Um, we've, we've also got to start concentrating on our own homeless. We've got 200 to 400 people who haven't got a bed. So let's start at home. Okay. I agree with the funding, but I think we really need to look at our own homeless. Chris Thomas. The Isle of Man's always welcomed migrants. More than half the people in the island uh, came here through choice rather than being born here. And um, uh, participating in asylum-seeking schemes and refugee schemes is slightly different than just welcoming migrants, okay. and it's more complicated. Okay, now is the time where each candidate will have one minute to sum up why they think you should vote for them. Chris Thomas. Because I'm capable, I've got a track record to demonstrate that capability. I've laid out clearly the plan for five years of government, which builds on my campaign priorities in recent years. If the people of Douglas Central trust me again, immediately we need to set out to do things. The first one locally would be to continue the motions that I started with uh, Mrs Caller in Timwald to uh, reverse the plans for a large mast uh, in the middle of our conservation area in Selborne. Secondly, to have a rational support for community hubs and libraries to reverse the decisions that seem to be taken for family library. And we need to begin that five-year plan for pavements and roads. In national priority, we need to heal healthcare, we need to uh, immediately go to the strategic plan which is integrated with government plans so we get a better settlement, we need to s at, 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 sort out the housing crisis with the practical measures but most importantly we need to remember that we're a society of many generations Five and seconds. also that we've got to get the economy right and if we get the economy right public service will be right. Sarah Hackman. The biggest issue facing the Isle of Man in the next five years will be the economy and how to strengthen it. I believe it's in a very fragile state due to the numerous factors, including the vast long-term effects of the COVID pandemic. The challenges need to be clearly identified, and it will then demand strong leadership from men and women in the House of Keys who are not afraid to make decisions, difficult decisions. I am one such woman fully prepared to face stark realities. Areas that we'll need to tackle are how to retain people on island, improving infrastructure, education excellence, improve health care provision, affordable housing and environment. All these areas are interlinked. Why me? I will serve the constituency and the Isle of Man with integrity. The one person who says what she means keeps her word and I will not lie to you. I will always listen to the Ten person seconds. on the street understanding what the Isle of Man's needs on every level, not only for now but for the future of our children. And call it. Thank you. I, I live in our, con our constituency and I, I feel a part of our community. I'm proud to be Manx, and I want to keep the good things that we have and change the things that are needed to change. The past five years for me have been a huge learning curve. And I couldn't have said five years ago that I could hit the ground running, but I can now. And I just want to use that knowledge and experience that I've gained to represent the, the constituents of Douglas Central to the very best of my ability. Damien Ciappelli. 
I am an advocate for change. I am Manx-born. I have a history and a heritage that goes way back. Um, I passionately believe in the island's future. I believe I could be an advocate, a professional representative for the constituents of Douglas Central and advance their interests with passion, with determination and ensuring that the, the, the drive and the leadership um, is there to ensure that outcomes are optimised. I am very concerned about the waste, about the bloated um, public sector that needs to be brought back into proportion. I'm concerned about the red tape, which I've talked about at length, and that that needs to be tackled head on. I am not afraid of having the difficult conversations and challenging those institutions that I believe have been holding us back. I believe that on Thursday you should vote for me if you want to see that change. Thank you very much. They're your candidates, uh, ladies and gentlemen of Douglas Central, Damien Ciappelli and Corlett, Sarah Heckman and Chris Thomas. And this has been the final of our 12 debates out and about in the community. Uh, I'm Andy Wint. And tonight, for the final time, we've been at Douglas Yacht Club. <laughs>